It's the holiday season, and I would like to say a few words. whoop de doo Also, hickory dock. And your sock? Don't forget to hang it up. This is just exactly the worst written Christmas song I've ever heard of, but you have heard of it, and many others. Which Christmas songs are your least favorite? Which fantastical songs are your favorite? And when should you start listening to any Christmas music anyway? How should Christians fight even politely over the secular songs versus the sacred Christmas songs? These and other controversies ahead hum along with us while we begin a new season of Fantastical Truth Podcast, Christmas Magic. Season's greetings at Fantastical Truth, a podcast from lorehaven.com in which we explore fantastical stories for God's glory and apply their meanings to the real world. I'm E. Stephen Burnett, Lorehaven's publisher and co-author of The Pop Culture Parent, enjoying a surprisingly chilly Christmas season here in Central Texas. And I'm Zachary Russell, and all of the other reindeer used to laugh and call me names like Zach the Lego Maniac, and this is episode 140. When should you start playing Christmas music? Then what is the best and the worst? Spoiler alert, you should start playing Christmas music the weekend before Thanksgiving. And I must say that in my family, I'm actually the conservative one. I think some of them start uh, just after Halloween. Maybe on All Saints Day is when they kick off. But what some uh, curmudgeons would say, it's not the Christmas season, it's the Advent season. Christmas is only a day. You don't have an Easter season before Easter. You don't have a Christmas season before the day. And uh, to that, I say, uh, with all seriousness, humbug. Celebrate Christmas for up to one and a half months before the actual day. That's what I say. My daughter recently asked me, why do we wait till the end of the year to celebrate Christmas? I'm like, well, I guess it's, I mean, there's, I'm sure, a lot of history behind this, which I don't know. It's a grand finale to the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, it's the, you know, it's near the longest night of the year, the darkest time. and, and, And that's when a light shown into the darkness like john one that's how i've always thought of it like why do we celebrate with lights well it's because uh the darkness is not overcome the light of the world yeah we're starting this new series for fantastical truth i've labeled it christmas magic and in fact zach i think i'm going to go back and retcon some of our previous fantastical truth uh, holiday themed episodes about uh, christmas and just put them into this series as uh, honorary debuts uh, some of my favorite episodes from 2020 we dealt with uh this weird uh, evangelical book about toys, uh, which kind of led into that whole idea of Christmas gifts and toy franchises and consumerism. Uh, we also had the Santa episode. Yes, that one. So we've got to talk about St. Nicholas. And there's other uh, Christmas topics in the future that I'm sure we will address. Which leads me to our concession stand for this episode, uh, featuring, of course, Christmas favorites like candy canes and chocolate drops. And if you are from uh, the British Isles, tangerines. I understand they have tangerines uh, running around a special holiday tradition there uh, we are going to assume in this show that it's okay to celebrate christmas uh, we're going to have more episodes about christmas magic this month uh, and then actually uh, this christmas magic series is going to uh, retcon previous christmas themed episodes we've had on fantastical truth we've had a santa episode we've talked about toys and consumerism uh, those actually start this series But maybe in the future, we'll have that episode about is Christmas a pagan holiday? And maybe we'll drag in a historian who's not entirely sick of the topic. Uh, My take, of course, is that even if there are what you might say, pagan songs or traditions, uh, I'm with I'm on the side of the Internet memes, Zach, which uh, illustrate a very important uh, biblical concept is that Christians redeem pagan things on purpose. Uh, It can be risky if you are 
tempted to compromise with paganism. If so, stay away from the pagan thing. That's your weakness. Uh, but a strong Christian who's mature in uh, her or his faith uh, can certainly drag a tree into the house and uh, celebrate uh, the fact that God has created trees and then we can do weird things with them like hang electric lights on them, which is kind of weird if you think about it. But if you grew up doing it, it doesn't seem so weird. We, by the way, mean no insults uh, to any classic or new artists. I, I roasted an Andy Williams song there at the top of this episode. I, I've got nothing against the chap. Uh, he has some other great songs. That song, it's just really clunkily written. It, it's such a strange song, especially when you turn the word exactly into you know eight more syllables than that word should have. It's, uh, it's an oddly metered song. Yeah, well, I, I think my grandmother is going to dig her way out of her grave and, and come hit you over the head because oh, she's an Andy she Williams was a fan. huge Andy Williams fan. Oh, of that particular song, though, that particular <laughs> song. Yeah, oh, it, I, I don't think she cared. She loved all his songs. I, I don't so. know what mouse's running up clocks have to do with Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. I just You, you had to run with sock and maybe okay, that's why she loved it because she loved she was a clock collector and so okay. she uh i guess it all went together for her it's there. just so strange like what half that to do with christmas and you may <laughs> as well ask what do tangerines have to do with christmas hey oh but then again what do electric lights and all that stuff all these things are just kind of built up but then again i don't see the connection all due respect to uh i think the late andy williams uh, music is like stories and it can bring strong emotional reactions. So that's why we're keeping this a lighthearted roast when we do roast and we're starting off with the positive stuff. All of this is tongue in cheek. And by the way, it's not just going to be Zach and I in the studio. Uh, we're bringing in some comments from heroes in the Lorehaven Guild. Uh, that's our exclusive uh, Discord server uh, that you can join uh, simply by subscribing free at lorehaven.com. Then you too can join in the lighthearted roasting, but mostly praising of things like fantastical Christmas songs. By the way, Zach and I have to be careful with the lyric quoting, but if we're very festive, uh, you might find us accidentally breaking into very, very public domain songs uh, in this episode. But since I've said that in the concession stand, it's uh, probably unlikely to happen, actually. What is likely to happen is our sponsor for this episode, Returning Champ Oasis Family Media. They have a new novel releasing today. It's called Calore from J.J. Fisher. It's book one in the Nightingale trilogy. The plot description says, what if you could edit memories with a single touch? The world that was is gone, lost to everything except living memory. But remembering comes at a terrible price. 62 years after the apocalypse, a new society has emerged from the ashes of the old world where highly valued memories are traded and nostalgia is worth dying and even killing for. Enslaved by a cruel master, Stephanie Winter is forced to use her rare ability to manipulate memories to numb the darkest secrets of the ruling aristocracy. This week's episode is sponsored by Enclave Publishers. They're the publishers of Kalor, the Nightingale Trilogy Book One by J.J. Fisher. That is available now today. You can find the link in, uh, to the Amazon page in our show notes uh, for episode 140 or go to lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. Editing memories, nostalgia. That's a perfect segue into our Christmas discussion, which starts with chapter one. When should you start the Christmas music? Uh, I've actually seen a lot more internet fights about this. I think good natured fights, Zach. I'll just lead with uh, with your answer, I guess. When do you all, your family, the Russells, start uh, listening to Christmas music? Yeah, we really didn't start till the day after Thanksgiving, like is custom with a lot of people. But it's interesting that you mentioned this, how the fight has been happening a lot on social media. Because I remember in 2020, when we were in the uh, the depths of the dark times, 
uh, there were a lot of people saying, hey, let's like they were saying in like October or July even, hey, why don't we all put up Christmas lights uh, just to kind of cheer each other up? And uh, you know what? Put up your Christmas tree whenever you want. Start singing Christmas songs whenever you want. I think we all need some cheer this year. It was a really tough year for everyone. And so it sort of broke down the, you know, the boundaries of when all this was able to start. It was an interesting collision between that and this trend we've all noticed of stores putting up Christmas decorations and things in September. And I, I think most of our listeners probably are not big fans of that. But now we've kind of come back full circle of saying, hey, let's keep Christmas in its little box. Keep it in the box until Thanksgiving and then you then you can take it out. But, you know, for, for me, it just happened naturally this year. Our church released a new Christmas album. I think it was the week of Thanksgiving they released it. And so I, I bought it. But then I just waited to turn it on until uh, the Friday. And it was a perfect day to do it because that's when we decorated our Christmas tree. I think the music by itself doesn't really make sense until you're doing something Christmassy. You're, you're putting up a tree. You're putting up lights. Like we have all these. Uh, we have a ton of decorations we put out for Christmas. Uh, we have a normal nativity scene and then like a kid's nativity scene that's all, you know, little plastic people they love to play with and then, you know, plenty of other things. And so it just made sense to play it when we were getting all that out of the attic and setting it out. That's a great point about waiting until you're doing Christmassy things like decorating. I think for the past several years, the default to which I've drifted is start listening to Christmas music the weekend before Thanksgiving mainly just because we may be out of town for Thanksgiving. And so there's little time left to decorate when you get back. And it's nice to come back and everything's already decorated. But yeah, doing Christmassy things during the music makes sense. Uh, It also makes sense to get the most amount of time for the Christmassy season because Christmas Day is always on the 25th. And so it floats between weeks of the day or on the weekend. But Thanksgiving Day is always the fourth Thursday of November, so it floats. I mean, it can be at the very end of the month, and then sometimes it's a little bit earlier in the month. It's uh, kind of strange just the way the calendar works. So I I do it the weekend before, uh, mainly just to inaugurate uh, that that decorating stage. Uh, over in the Guild, Elijah David, uh, one of our staff creators at Lorehaven, says, I can listen to Christmas music year-round. However, I try to hold off on my official start, i.e. when others are subjected to my listening preferences until November, closer to Thanksgiving, if I can last that long. Uh, another chap says, uh, and it's funny because everybody's got their usernames now changed to celebrate uh, On the Edge of the Dark Sea of Darkness by Andrew Peterson, the book quest that we've just finished up. Uh, your average toothy cow, I'm guessing he'll change his name for the next book quest, says December, specifically the season of Advent. Start when Advent starts, end when it ends. I will caveat that the occasional song outside Advent is acceptable, but only occasionally. Uh, so, Zach, we've got somebody here who's trying to honor that liturgical tradition known as Advent. There you start, yeah. I think, four Sundays before uh, Christmas Day. Uh, some people do the wreath uh, ceremony where they have uh, four different candles. Uh, a new candle is lit for every Sunday. A lot of uh, evangelical and Protestant churches do that. It's mm-hmm. a pretty old tradition uh, corresponding with the celebration of Christmas. And I alluded to that at the top of the show that some people will say, no, it's not Christmas yet. Uh, there's no Christmas season. Uh, don't knock Advent season uh, any more than you would knock Thanksgiving. Uh, I, for one, don't mind a Thanksgiving Christmas overlap. Uh, I find uh, it's kind of curmudgeonly when folks are complaining, no, it's Thanksgiving first and Christmas needs to wait its turn. Like Thanksgiving is the warm up act. Uh, for the headliner performer, which is the Christmas season. I don't mind having a tree in the house when it's Thanksgiving. In fact, I kind of prefer it. Yeah, I grew up in a you know traditional mainline 
denomination where we did more liturgical stuff. And so, yeah, the, the Advent candles, um, that was a big thing. Uh, the, the bells, uh, you know, they would do that a lot. I go to a church now that's, it's secretly Baptist, I guess, and more, uh, Ninja Baptist, Ninja yeah. Baptist. Yeah. And, and we do some liturgical stuff. So, but you know, I remember being surprised uh, past Sunday because they didn't do the, the candle, but, uh, maybe they'll do it this Sunday. They hadn't put up the Christmas decorations yet. And they actually did that after the service. So I guess we'll see. There was someone in our guild, uh, Mr. Roboto, who said Christmas music start date at work is November 1st, but my personal start date is the Friday after Thanksgiving. So now that's kind of an interesting conundrum. Uh, you are a listener. You may work somewhere where they they play the music uh, whenever they want to start, and you may not have a choice when you have to hear it. And if, again, there there may be songs that you may you may like. You so it may not be that big a deal. There may be songs you hate, and you're like, ah, oh, why didn't they, why do they have to start this three weeks early? That brings up an interesting point that a lot of people will hear these songs even if they don't play them themselves. So I've not personally worked in retail like uh, Mr. Roboto, but I understand uh, pragmatically why you would put up the Christmas decorations early. Uh, sure, there's some free market reasons there. Time to get started on Christmas. And then, you know, if they were to wait until November 15th, halfway through the month, and then put up the Christmas decorations, uh, it almost seems too late. I mean, the season actually starts a lot quicker than you uh, always anticipated starting but also it makes sense because if you're moving out all the Halloween stuff and uh, putting those on the, you know, on Markdown, uh, trying to clear them out for a 50% off sale or something, then why not just go ahead and move the Christmas stuff into that space? Uh, why wait a couple of weeks and kind of lose your momentum there? I can guess that that's how that happens. And then, of course, if you're going to have the Christmas trees up front and all the decorations and such and the candies uh, in the uh, special aisle and all that, why not then go ahead and do uh, the Christmas music? Uh, I tend to tune that stuff out when I go into the store any earlier than that uh, full uh, first full week before Thanksgiving Day. But then again, I have the luxury of doing that because I'm just visiting the store. I don't actually work there. So Godspeed to all the employees who uh, have to put up with the Christmas music, uh, including some of the uh, terrible songs that we will talk about in Chapter 3 of this episode. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad that I can. I do have the uh, the privilege of starting the Christmas music when I want to. Uh, but I think one of our heroes did mention, oh, it was Eli who mentioned that, yeah, you know, you have to restrain yourself out of respect for the taste of those around you. I mean, music is, uh, we're having fun with it, but as I said in the concession stand, it is a very emotional thing. You know, people will especially have strong associations with Christmas, with the Christmas season, uh, and strong associations with certain songs. So there's mental and imaginative pathways that music uh, does for us, just like stories do for us. And so, we do want to enjoy what we enjoy when we want to enjoy it, but because we're in community, we're made to live with other people, uh, we have to respect and love uh, their preferences too. Now, the thing I, I just now thought of is when do your churches start Christmas music? Because I would think it'd be strange to hear a church in mid or early November or even October start playing Christmas songs. I don't think I've ever been to a church that does that, nor have I really been to a church that plays any Christmas music in January or later. It's always in December that we hear those songs. So, but I, I wonder if that has happened. Because um, there almost are some songs that seem like they could happen other times. Uh, they don't have to be at Christmas. But I imagine that if, if, a, 
<laughs> if the worship pastor played something on November 1st in church, you'd probably hear about it from some people like, no, don't bring out the Christmas songs yet. We got to wait. Well, technically, that Christmas season, if you can call it that, and maybe your uh, church or liturgical tradition has a different phrase, could arguably last until Epiphany, which, if I recall correctly, is mm. uh, January 5th, 12 days okay. after Christmas. That's right, the 12 and days of Christmas. Yeah. I always kind of start that clock in my head after Christmas Day and think, okay, you know, anytime after January 5th, it's probably time to take the decorations down. Like just because some of those habits help uh, some of those habits of celebration, like you, you're kind of running this clock in your head and thinking liturgically or whatever, you know, it's this season and now it's that season. Uh, although in Texas, I will say, uh, Zach, that generally a lot of our snow, if we ever get any snow and ice, uh, is more likely to happen in late January in or early February. Yeah. yeah. So if you have any hope of a white post Christmas, <laughs> I kind of want to he- keep at least the outdoor lights up uh, for longer because then you get that effect of the lights in the snow, which our popular culture has trained us to expect, uh, but which uh, the state of Texas is stubbornly trying to train me not to expect. Well, I'm going to hold on to my traditions and I'm going to be a stubborn older person, darn it, uh, if I can help it. Uh, most of the heroes in our guild where they were talking about the timing of when to start listening to music, the threshold is almost always Thanksgiving Day. It's the week of Thanksgiving before or after. Uh, we didn't talk about when to stop listening to the Christmas music, but I, I stopped listening right around uh, Epiphany, I guess, uh, because I just want to make it last a little longer. Uh, if you got time off from work, uh, which I do, uh, you may have some time between uh, Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Like For me, it's always going to overlap into at least the first few days of January, especially if the, the cold weather takes its time getting here uh, to the place where I live. I want to hold on to it, but not so much. You know, I do want to keep the Christmas music special. I don't want to exceed uh, listening to Christmas music or keeping the decorations up. I don't want to exceed two months. Uh, that just That feels a little too long to me. Uh, by about the time Epiphany rolls around, uh, you start feeling, okay, it's it's time to clean up. It's time to reset to normal and then look forward to uh, starting the Christmas music and putting out the decorations uh, right around that uh, Thanksgiving week. Okay, Stephen, time for some true confessions, though. When is the latest you have left decorations up at your house? Probably halfway through January. I, I'm, I can remember, well, I can remember the few times that we've had a live tree. That thing starts looking awful crispy and that's why it helped if you, if you put up a tree at all it does help to have a live tree uh if if if, if it's going to have kind of um, an expiration date and it yeah. just feel like you've got this corpse in your living room uh it just gets kind of sad and you feel like a hoarder so it's time to get that thing out of there it has its own little ticking clock that's the disadvantage though of getting a live tree is that mm. you you have to get it later and i, I want to put my christmas tree up right around thanksgiving that's yeah. that's the advantage to the artificial tree, and you can also leave without worrying about the thing not getting any water, uh, and then the sap uh, clogs the pores down there in the trunk that's stuck down in the plastic uh, stand thing, mm-hmm. uh, and then just it it just gets all weird. It is weird, isn't it? Though bringing a live tree into your house, I mean this this episode is, is about weird. decorations, but it does kind of overlap. Yeah, but it's weird. But then again, lots of Christmas traditions are weird, yeah. and yet. We hold on to them, uh, certainly as Christians, and then even those who are not Christians have caught wind, and they join in the uh, celebrating too. And if you know where to look, there are some very deep uh, church history traditions behind these things. I forget who who was the guy, uh, St. Blast, how do you pronounce it? St. Boniface or whoever it was who 
like uh, supposedly interrupted the worship of Thor and then cut down the tree. And then, yeah, that's that's that was the mm. first Christmas tree. So. So you're saying it's not pagan appropriation. I don't think, well, it's it's pagan subversion. If you believe in that legend, then yes, it is a subversion of paganism. Christ conquers uh, the celebrations of Saturnalia uh, and the feasting and worship of the heathen gods. Uh, We then, like uh, ancient Israel, uh, immigrating out of Egypt, uh, take the Egyptian gold with us and then ultimately turn it into a service for the one true God, Yahweh. So that's how I look at it. I know mm-hmm. other people have some other sensitivities, particularly if you don't want, you know, Santa uh, to uh, take over the Christmas season. But for that, we could refer to our to our Santa Claus episode. Uh, Retconned is one of the first episodes of this Christmas magic series. Yeah, Naomi is friends with someone I, I believe from Japan that thought it was so weird that we put a live tree in the house because it's like, doesn't oh, that it's bonkers outside? Yeah, I mean, a plant is one thing, but an entire tree, like, what are you doing? And uh, we, we had some international students over uh, the day after Thanksgiving, and that was so fun to decorate with them because they, they had never done that before. They were from uh, different parts of East Asia and East Africa. And yeah, for them, that was a, a brand new experience. And then we got it done really fast, which was nice. But I'll go and answer my own uh, question and, and, and confession here, which is the latest we've had a tree, or at least I, I put it on the curb on Valentine's Day one year. Oh, wow. So this would have been about maybe 10 years ago or so. And <laughs> I, I think I put it outside in the backyard for a while. I, I don't think I waited until Valentine's Day to take it out of the house. Cause like you said, it starts to die, but I, I don't think I, I dealt with it until mid February. But the funny thing that happened was I was teaching my oldest daughter at the time when she was real little to ride a bike and I let go at one point and she kind of circled around and then she crashed but she happened to hit the tree. And so we've always joked about that. Like, Hey, isn't that great that dad waited so long because it saved your knees from getting all skinned up. <laughs> That's just a wonderful hallmark moment there. Yes, the exactly. Christmas tree corpse saved her. <laughs> now, if that's the standard though, then I will say the longest I've held on to a previous dead tree was until last month. I'm not kidding. Okay. We put it out near uh, where we keep the garbage dumpsters and kept thinking, well, we'll chop it up for firewood because you know, Pine branches, dead ones, uh, make a pretty good fire starters. They flare up real quickly and you have to be careful with them, uh, but uh, they do. And I just never got around to it. So when I was doing some cleanup out there just this last month working in my garage, I thought, okay, now it's finally time to throw this thing out. Uh, this is getting a little weird. I just I just forgot it was out there. You know, yeah. we were doing gardening in the backyard. But anyway, decorations, music, uh, it's all it's all the same here. That piece of wood will come in handy at some point, you know. Oh, it absolutely will. And so will that old charger cord. (laughs) Let's move now to our favorite Christmas songs after pausing to acknowledge our second sponsor for this episode. It's a a new one for the month of December. Author Rachel A. Greco and her book is called The Gift of Dragons. Here's that description. The fate of two species rests on the tip of a dagger. Ever since the Jindelians murdered her sister, Adelaide has plotted a rebellion to overthrow the king and prince who failed to protect them during the attack. Following her across the country is a stranger, not just any stranger, but the prince she's hoping to overthrow, and Adelaide's plans begin to collapse. But Prince Elias has his own dangerous secrets, secrets connected to the dragons that once lived in the land. If he can't earn Adelaide's trust, there may never be any peace for Adelaide, her people, or the dragons. 
That's the book, The Gift of Dragons by Rachel A. Greco. You can find more information, the book cover, and the links for purchase in our show notes for episode 140, or go to our more detailed page at lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. Zach, let's go to chapter two. What are the best fantastical Christmas songs? And this is the one where we get to be positive. We get to celebrate. Uh, we get to acknowledge the beauty of the the in in depth the uh, theology that you find mm-hmm. in many Christmas hymns uh, over the last few hundred years, yeah. as well as some secular songs that happen along and kind of pull out the uh, the more mainstream uh, iterations of the holiday. Uh, what C.S. Lewis would have called Xmas that competitive event that happens to be scheduled <laughs> at the same time as Christmas. Uh, that was Lewis at his most uh, Scrooge-like mode there, but he had some point, especially about the consumerism. So, okay, late late concession. Yeah, there'll be some uh, secular songs in here too, but I do favor the sacred songs most of all. But let's get to my preferences here in a little bit. Uh, let me jump back into our guild here. Yeah, um, I want to I want to mention one of our guild heroes, Dr. Dave. He said he loves we three Kings. And and he also says, I listen to any music I feel like listening to in that moment. So I'm, I'm picturing Dr. Dave listening to this song, uh, you know, in March or July or whatever. And, uh, but he likes the song because of the verse that says born a King on Bethlehem's plain, uh, gold, I bring to crown him him again, again. Mm -hmm. King forever, ceasing never over Over us us all all to reign. reign. Amen. Yeah. There's that in-depth theology there. We three Kings has some great stuff, uh, despite being, technically extra biblical the magi are not described mm-hmm. as kings and we don't know where they're from technically uh you rely on a lot of church they're, they're, they're kings in stuff. like the social media sense like you're exactly king. Yeah, yeah you're my king king move it was a king move uh to <laughs> yeah. jump on a camel presumably uh and ride all that distance uh maybe not from the orientar uh but from persia or wherever they came from uh it's a it's a mystical land it's kind of uh kind of a legendary there that's why they're so iconic and that's why the song is so great uh, Mrs. Booklove uh, Steph says, a few of my Chris, uh, favorite Christmas hymns are Joy to the World, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, Angels We Have Heard on High, and O Come All Ye Faithful. My favorite Christmas album is When My Heart Finds Christmas by Harry Connick Jr. I feel like it's a must listen when I'm doing my Christmas baking, one of my Christmas traditions. I love the big band sound and the mix of classic Christmas hymns with fun holiday songs. I like that mix too. I'm not familiar with that particular album, but those four hymns that she uh, mentioned here, uh, those are among my favorites too, especially Joy to the World. Uh, there was a cassette I grew up listening to. It was called Salty's Christmas Calamity, uh, featuring <laughs> the evangelical hero, Salty the Singing Songbook uh, from a, a franchise, uh, especially in the 1980s. Uh, Salty had songs in himself, uh, but they would only work if you're praising the Lord from your heart. So early training about sincere uh, expressions of worship through song there. Thanks, Salty and his creators. And in Salty's Christmas Calamity, uh, he and his uh, ever-present kids are trying to put on a Christmas pageant, but everything goes wrong when they try to uh, wash his dusty pages and uh, all the Christmas songs just some whatever 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 uh, magic system salty uses they wouldn't say that i'm just saying that all the songs sounded all watery and strange after that but before that they did this uh for the time certainly and for my exposure uh, this epic version of joy to the world uh which forever made that uh, probably my top most favorite christmas hymn which is funny because it's not about christmas it is about the eschaton it is about christ's return to earth this second time which is hinted in the incarnation, but here, you know, Christ has come to the world to reign and not to be the suffering servant and do 
uh, healing and teaching ministry. So that's one of those songs that you could sing after Christmas and really technically the whole year round, but it somehow has gotten associated with Christmas. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, another Guild Hero I want to point to is actually author Sharon Hink. We've uh, talked about her books before on the podcast. And she mentioned a song I had never... So she said she loves, first of all, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which I'm very familiar with. I love it. But then a more obscure Christmas song I've never heard of called Winds Through the Olive Trees. And I just looked up this song. And side note, <laughs> if you guys ever tried to look up uh, lyrics for any song and you pull up these websites that are just like, they attack you with so many ads, like... It's really hard to find good lyric websites. If you have any, please let us know. But uh, the lyrics to this song are pretty interesting. Uh, I, I don't know the tune and I'm not going to sing anyway. It says, winds through the olive trees softly did blow round little Bethlehem long, long ago. Sheep on the hillside lay whiter than snow. Shepherds were watching them long, long ago. Then from the happy sky, angels bent low, singing their songs of joy long, long ago. Or in a manger bed, cradled we know, Christ came to Bethlehem long, long ago. That's pretty neat. And maybe it's the long, long ago. Like it, it, it kind of evokes a the, long the, time the Star ago Wars. in yeah. a land far away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a new album that I started loving. I think it was just last year, although I think it came out the year before. Uh, my brother had recommended it to me as a top example of epic Christmas music. Uh, there's kind of an overuse of the word epic to uh, describe a lot of people doing music on YouTube, uh, particularly in the, uh, you know, cinematic uh, film score type genre. Uh, but this one, this one was called The Birth of a King by an artist named Tommy Prophet. I'd never heard of him before, but it's genuinely epic. And he collaborates with a lot of uh, both uh, secular and inspirational artists uh, like uh, David Crowder. Uh, and the songs are awesome. Just, just, they just sizzle with this epic scale. Like there's, uh, his Okamo Kami Manuel is a little more rambunctious than some of the more uh, sacred choir sounding versions that we hear. Uh, and then he does, you know, a hip hop version of this other song. Uh, and then he takes things back down to that more uh, traditional sound for a song like silent night. And uh, he has two uh, artists doing a duet for a holy night, which is just all crescendo, but just the best, uh, best version of that song that I think I've heard. Uh, he remixes away in the manger, you know, makes the tune a little different. And I, I just love that album. Uh, that's, uh, probably, that's actually the first one that I started listening to when I started listening to, uh, my Christmas music this year. I also love, uh, man, I'm steamroller. Uh, Michael Lubby Smith has three also, uh, great, uh, Christmas albums. Uh, his first one is just called Christmas. Uh, it's very simple, but has some epic flair to it. Uh, his second one is a little bit more of a Broadway type sound, which I really enjoy. And then his third one is just all orchestral uh, and vocal performances. Uh, he hasn't released a new one since then. I think that one was out in 2007. Uh, Eli David uh, says uh, his favorite albums are, of course, Behold the Lamb of God by Andrew Peterson. Uh, that's another great one. We, we own that one. Uh, he says A Charlie Brown Christmas by Vince uh, uh, Guaraldi. Hope I pronounced that right. Uh, and Winter Came by Enya. like that one too. The Light Came Down, Josh Garrel's Christmas Songs, Jars of Clay. Uh, and a few others there. Uh, lots of people were naming not just their favorite songs, uh, but their favorite albums. Like, I've got, we've got some lists here of like 24 items on there. People yeah. take this really seriously, and, and mm -hmm. I like that. It's like there's a whole other genre of music you would just call Christmas. Uh, but within that genre, I think it's the wrong word, are so many other uh, flavors of uh, songs, both sacred and secular. Note my air quotes there. Yeah, I was going to point out a couple songs here uh, on the list from your average toothy cow wrangler 
which I guess that's the reference. Oh, that was the full name of there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he likes Carol of the Bells, the August Burns Red version, and the Trans-Siberian Orchestra version. Oh, yeah. That that one's groovy. The Trans-Siberian. Oh, by the way. Trans-Siberian orchestras are human orchestras, by the way. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> Saw that into random on social media. Yeah, Naomi loves that song. Now, I'm going to be a little contrarian here. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Trans-Siberian or- Orchestra anymore. I used to be. I there, there was this one house that would play that song through like an FM transmitter in our area, and you could go drive by and listen to it. Oh. And they had these crazy decorations, and I'm like, Wow, that's pretty amazing. But now I'm like way overstimulated and need a nap uh, because it just like I, actually I can see I can hear I can feel the effects of that through an yeah. FM transmitter. Um, yeah, it's it, it would be a little overwhelming. I think Trans Siberian Orchestra is actually the holiday brand of a of a metal band or something. Yeah, I haven't exactly. Looked into it that much. I'm mainly familiar with that song. I'm sure I've heard some others too. Yeah, let's see. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Joy to the world. Uh, okay, Mary, did you know, which I know a lot of people are going to have mixed feelings on that song, but, but that's, that, Batman that, slaps that's his Robin. Yes, song. she knew. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, Oh, Holy Night. And that is, that is my all time favorite. So I'm going to talk oh, about okay. that. Okay. I, I just, I love this line in a Holy Night, uh, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Uh, that I just love that line. I, it's funny. I always think that's going to come up in verse two or verse three. But I, I think this is such a great song. It's hard to sing, but it's amazing when you've got a very talented singer or a choir. Uh, of course, I think there is that moment in Home Alone where the choir is singing this, and that's kind of a neat uh, moment in that story. Um, but, but this is a, a beautiful song. Of course, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Yeah, fortunately, it's public domain, so we can quote yeah. the lyrics. Long lay the world in sin and air pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Thrill of hope, the weary world, the weary, is it the weary soul or the weary, weary world I, I've heard rejoices. both. I've had both okay. versions. I like weary world uh, because yeah, Christ came not too. just to save particular souls, uh, and right. yet he does, but he also saves the world, the cosmos, yep. the physical creation. Yeah, so that that's a that's a wonderful song, very gospel saturated. Um, a couple other songs I like. Uh, another personal favorite for me is "What Child Is This." Uh, now I learned how to play that, but I learned how to play that as green sleeves when I was a kid taking piano lessons. And did you hear about the origins of that name? And I yeah, so I I knew the story growing up, and I've I've kind of refreshed myself with the story. So this is really interesting. So I knew that green sleeves was like a bar tune in uh in england in the 18 mid 1800s but why should the devil have all the best music <laughs> yes and so that it it brings up a very interesting so just for our listener that may not be aware uh green sleeves was a bar tune and it, it has sort of a kind of a seedy meaning to it it is basically about a man falling in love with uh, a woman of the night and um you can read the lyrics and, and figure that out for yourself but the the uh, a composer named William Chatter William Chatterton Dix was the manager of an insurance company, according to Wikipedia. It says he was afflicted by an unexpected and severe illness that resulted in him being bedridden and suffering from severe depression. His near death experience brought about a spiritual renewal while he was recovering. During this time, he read the Bible comprehensively and was inspired to author hymns like "Alleluia, Sing to Jesus" and as with gladness men of old. And then around 1865, he wrote What Child Is This? But he published it in 1871. And yes, it, it sort of kicked off this whole debate of, well, can we 
use musical tunes that are used for secular and, and kind of sinful songs. If you read the lyrics, you know, of, of that original song. Um, but that is, that's always been one of my, my favorite songs because what child is this is a, another beautiful song with the lyrics. And, and again, growing up, learning piano is a really easy song to learn. And so I would play that at Christmas time in my family. And now Christmas time is the only association that almost anyone has with that song. So it is a successful creative subversion of a song that is uh, discussing, if not celebrating, an act of sin uh, back in that century. Uh, now it was broken, but it has been remade. Uh, I wonder then about the lyrics of some Christmas songs, even really great ones like Oh Holy Night, that like, does anybody out there like kind of want to change some of those? Like Zach, you mentioned the Till He Appeared and the Soul Felt Its Worth. Uh, I find that it's a little man-centered. So just in my head, I kind of swap that around for the soul felt his worth. I, I think that makes it a little more gospel there. I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here, but uh, I do love A Holy Night. I, I'm not being serious. I don't mind singing the soul felt its worth. I just think that uh, lyrically, uh, it, it almost sounds better too, just putting in the soul felt his worth. By the way, that's another reason then to sing A Thrill of Hope Luary world rejoices because you just said soul uh, and otherwise it sounds a little redundant. Um, I love it when artists sing the second verse of a holy night. It's very uh, abolition focused there. Chains shall he break uh, for the slave is our brother and in his name, all oppressions shall cease. Mm, yeah. Sounds kind of woke. No, it's not. That is just an appropriate influence of Christian social ethics applied directly to an issue that was uh, very important at the time uh, that hymn was written. And so I, I love it now being kind of a historical monument uh, to how believers were thinking back then. Uh, I don't know about the, you know, the religious faith of the person who wrote that song, uh, but that meaning is biblical and it is unapplication, not the only one uh, of Christ coming to earth uh, to set man free from oppression. First, the oppression that is because of sin and evil in our own hearts. Uh, and then this wonderful the secondary effect of setting us free from the oppression by other people, uh, by folks who are in power, uh, who are abusing that power. So I love uh, Only Night. I love Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I think that's a Charles Wesley song. Uh, love that version. Um, oh, back to Holy Night. Uh, one of my favorite versions of that is actually by Michael Crawford uh, and okay. a children's choir. And it's, I think it's orchestrated by David Foster. Uh, that one is just so wonderful. It's uh, everybody seems to bring their epic a game to Oh Holy Night, <laughs> and I love it that a song with that history and that depth uh, challenges artists uh, to uh, elevate their game. Yeah, there's two more songs I want to talk about. One is um, a little more whimsical, and this may surprise some of our listeners. Uh, Frosty the Snowman. I I grew up loving that song. I still like it because it's this whimsical tale. And, and yes, it's about the more secular side of the season, the Xmas uh, holiday, as you said, Stephen. But I just think it's such a fun story <laughs> that these kids, uh, you know, make a snowman and then he comes alive and then they go on adventures together. Like what a great story. It, it's, it's fantastical. It's fun. Um, it's relatively safe of, of a story, I guess. And growing up, uh, we, I grew up here in central Texas. We barely ever had snow. And so anytime it did snow or anytime we traveled to where there was snow, I always wanted to make a snowman. And you know, when you're a little kid, you think, oh, maybe the snowman will come alive. (laughs) 
Um, and then of course I started reading Calvin and Hobbes, uh, later in, uh, elementary school, middle school. And, you know, Calvin makes all kinds of crazy snowmen, the snowman house of horrors and, um, does all kinds of pranks on his, on his parents and neighbors with snowmen. So, um, but that, I don't know, just a lot of fun memories from that song. Now, some people hate the song little drummer boy. And then maybe this needs to go under your worst of uh, Christmas songs category. I don't mind it. It's a little cheesy. Uh, it's a little man-centered. You know, it's not so much about Jesus, but it's about this fictional character who performs for Jesus and then gets a smile. Okay, it's kind of cheesy. But if you uh, if you make it epic, like several artists have done, uh, there's a great uh, kind of hip-hoppy version by Go Fish. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I imagine the folks at uh, For King and Country are maybe sick of that song by now, but they do an absolutely epic, uh, very uh, drum-heavy version of that song uh they famously performed it live and i i really like that song now uh, for no other reason than they just made it awesome so i'm curious then uh faithful listener like what what are some christmas songs you thought you wouldn't like and then along came somebody who did it awesomely uh sometimes that can just happen there's also zach you've already mentioned some obscure songs uh some folks in the uh the guild uh, thread here were talking about some more obscure songs that you've already uh, mentioned uh, there's one that doesn't get enough love, I think, is Once in Royal David City. I really like that one. Uh, it's, I don't know, there's just, there's such a sweetness to the melody, uh, and yet maybe the fact that it's not being done as uh, much by other artists uh, makes it more appealing to me. There are some other uh, more uh, secular songs that people were talking about. And by the way, we don't use secular as a pejorative here. I'm just saying that it's not necessarily a, you know, a Christ-focused song. More about that, the secular version of the season. Mr. Roboto, I think he's mentioning favorite songs. Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, uh, Let It Snow. Oh, he actually does. At least he's mentioning Santa Baby here, which is not my favorite song in the world. It's the most wonderful time of the year. A good one uh, that's uh, famously sung by Andy Williams. Silver Bells. I like Silver Bells, uh, especially the uh, Bing Crosby version. And of course, White Christmas, speaking of Bing Crosby. Uh, I wonder how much he hated that song. Mm. I'd like to think that the earnestness with which uh, old Bing would perform that song was earnest every time. And I'm just would like to keep that headcanon very much. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's uh rocking around the Christmas tree. And what's the other one that, that may be the same song? Jingle bell rock. I think those are actually the same song. Uh, very fifties, very enamored with this new thing called rock that all the kids are into. And that's also been grafted into the holiday season. Uh, Holly Jolly Christmas in Silver and Gold. Yeah, we have some uh, infusion and new energy from the uh, Rankin Bass Christmas specials, and that's uh, two of them that have withstood the test of time. And then, uh, oh yeah, there's some confusion with Joy to the World, which is also known as Jeremiah was a bullfrog. What what a strange <laughs> coincidence there. Interesting. <laughs> Too bad you can't copyright the, the same song tune. Titles. No, it's not the same tune. Oh. Uh, it has nothing to do with Christmas. It's okay, just, it includes the words Joy to the World for some reason. Oh, yeah. that's fu- oh, that's yeah, right. But it's yeah. not the actual one. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, the rest of them I'm seeing here in the, I'm sure we didn't read everybody's comment, but uh, there's also some negative songs here that we'll get to in just a moment. Yeah. Well, one final favorite song and Naomi had to remind me of this one because it's been a while since we've heard it and it's a very obscure song. I almost never hear it anywhere. It's called Room Around the Manger. And it took me a while to find the lyrics to even to this song. Uh, All I could find for a while were just YouTube videos. I don't even know how to get this song. But the, uh, the lyrics are, um, there's a place for you, a place for me. There's room around the manger. Come inside and you will find there's room around the manger. Jesus is God's gift to every boy and girl. Come and worship him. There's room for all the world. Then it goes back to the chorus. 
And I don't know, there was just something about our kids singing this when they were in preschool that was very endearing. I mean, Naomi was starting to cry as, as she was kind of remembering the lyrics. And I, I think it's so simple, like kids can understand this and, and they really, it helps them understand the Christmas message that Jesus is for the whole world. And he's, he's open, you know, he opens his arms to anyone and everyone. Um, so it, it's a wonderful song. If you, if you can find it on YouTube and sing with your kids, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. If you want a song to make your eyes water, not only with the beauty of the performance, but also the depth of the theology, I actually recommend, uh, just, we may just stay here praising the songs that we love. And I think that's better, but I actually, I love, um, uh, Michael W. Smith's eighties album, his first Christmas album, just called Christmas. There are two songs right in the middle of that, uh, really relatively short album. I don't think I can quote the lyrics because I think uh, they're still uh, under rights. Uh, but the song titles are No I Had Seen, uh, which is a duet with uh, M, uh, Amy Grant. And then there's uh, the very next one is called All Is Well, with, which is uh, featuring a children's choir. And those songs just sizzle with Christ exaltation. Uh, similarly, uh, Smith's last Christmas album, done by himself at least, the more orchestral one, uh, It's a Wonderful Christmas, in the mid-2000s, there's a song on there called Son of God. That one has some of the most beautiful, epic, uh, in-depth writing and like Christ-exalting wordplay that I wish I could quote some of the words here, uh, particularly that line about the sacred sky. Um, there's another one. Oh, that's right. In the older album, uh, there's another one about, uh, oh, I forget the title of it. Uh, but it's uh, it's discussing like the language of creation and uh, how God is revealed his final word, uh, other slogans I wish I could quote, but it's just, it is a meditation is what it is uh, on John chapter one. And it's all biblical, but feels all new at the same time. And like, that's where, you know, you've got a, an A-list Christmas song and few people even know what that is. I don't think it gets on the radio. Uh, it's not a popular Christmas song, uh, but it, it deserves to be uh, more well-known. I think uh, if I can, I'll put those links in the show notes, but we, we can't have a whole string of YouTube videos for, Every song in the show notes, uh, certainly not the positive ones, but uh, you'll just have to take my word for it and go find that one for yourself. So if we're ready, we're going to go a little more negative here, but we must pause first and discuss hell. Uh, now, these songs are not going to send you to hell, uh, but Brian Mitchell's novel Infernal Fall uh, certainly goes there uh, with a lot of connections to Dante's Inferno. Here's the description. Despite falling into hell, Daniel Strong is alive. A demon coaxes him deeper and plans to take him to Satan. Hell and its many horrors weigh heavily on Daniel. His hopes decay, but the Holy Spirit remains with him. Will he give in to the darkness? Will he find his way home? Infernal Fall is a modern twist on Dante's Inferno. Grab your copy today and discover if there is a way out of hell. Kirkus Review says of this novel, a remarkable cast of characters guides readers across a terrifying but compelling landscape. That's the endorsement from Kirkus Review of Brian Mitchell's novel Infernal Fall. See that awesome cover and the links and more info in our show notes for episode 140 or go to lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. All right, we're going to stay on Earth. It is not so bad, even if we're talking about the worst Christmas songs you've ever heard of, but that is the topic of our third chapter. Uh, Zach, let's say we start with uh, some of the more negative pronouncements by Heroes of the Guild. A lot more positivity in there. That's the kind of community that we want. 
but let me scroll through here. I think the first one I see here is uh, from your average toothy cow wrangler. Name probably changed after the Andrew Peterson book quest. He says the most modern uh, thumbs down emoji, most modern non-him Christmas songs, especially specifically all I want for Christmas is you. I, the professing queen <laughs> of Christmas, although the phrase remains untrademarked, Mariah Carey, uh, exception, the gun drummer version on YouTube, the hippomo- uh, hippopotamus song, correct. That is an evil song. And of course, I saw mommy kissing Santa, uh, which uh, nods toward potential infidelity for laughs and is therefore unfit for human consumption. Uh, I think that he is absolutely correct. These songs are annoying. They are filler songs. Uh, I don't think Christians should listen to them or else they are not making Jesus the reason for the season. Wait, is the hippopotamus one the one that says like hip hip hooray God made us? No, is that the one I'm thinking of. No, oh, okay. no, that's the one that uh, in which the child, the, the obnoxious child, like kind of the '60s teeny bopper performer voice. I forget who it is. I don't want to insult your uh, uh, your preferences if you like the song. That's just how it sounds to me. Uh, proclaims very loudly that the, the the vocalist wants this animal uh, under the tree this holiday season. I'm oh, trying to synonymize, okay. so I'm not quoting the song. I don't okay. want to uh, break anybody's uh, uh, rights of the song, but yeah, uh, apparently only this particular gift will do. I think that's the same song as that. All all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a hippopotamus with two front teeth. I don't know. Those are p- quite possibly the very uh, the very same song. Okay. Well, um, one of mine that I'll share in my my naughty list, my my worst list. Oh, that is a naughty list song. Is, yeah, uh, not, yeah, naughty list is song. is uh, ironically Santa Claus is coming to town now. If you oh, that's a legalistic. If you go song, back and so yeah. yes, if you go back and listen to our episode, I forget. Steve, you'll have to remind me which episode this was. We oh, did talk about Santa Claus at one point, and now I have some good memories of Santa Claus, and you know it was always fun to just wake up and all these presents are there and just kind of imagine that Santa Claus would come there, find the milk and cookies, you know, slightly, uh, um, eaten and, and, uh, consumed. And then, uh, at some point in my childhood, my cousin and I built a booby trap for Santa Claus. And we, we, I guess we figured if we trapped him that that he would have to give us more gifts. I, I think we were sort of mixing in the whole leprechaun myth with Santa Claus and man, that you was kill so the golden fun. goose. Yeah, yeah. That's not wise. <laughs> Plus you're messing with the Fae there and that you don't try yeah. to pull tricks on the Fae. Bad, yeah. And then we, juju. then we even slept in front of the fireplace, uh, so that we, we would get woken up as soon as he, uh, your parents all must have been exhausted. That yeah. Morning. <laughs> uh, maybe they drugged us or something to get us out of there. But, uh, but yes, the, the lyrics for this song, I mean, I, I don't think this is copyrighted, right? I think we can read I it. I don't know. I think, yeah. I, I don't know. Let me tell you what, uh, see if you can synonymize the lyrics while I looked it up. Well, I'll just say someone made a meme where they had one of those giant blow up Santa Clauses in their front yard, you know, the yard decorations, and they turned the Santa Claus around so that it's facing the second story window of someone's bedroom. <laughs> and then they captioned it with, he sees you when you're sleeping. And yes, it's like, it, it, I think the caption was surveillance Santa. And, uh, yeah, we don't need any of that anymore. Yeah. And so that, that is, that is the, the CCP the, the dark sees you side. when you're sleeping. They know when yeah. you're awake, so you better be good or else they're going to, uh, turn your, uh, QR code so red social on credit your, uh, score down. Smartphone. Yeah. 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 So this was, you know, this, this was the, the bad part of Santa is that I, I definitely lived in fear of, uh, getting coal in my stocking because of songs like this, that sort of reinforced that idea that, 
yeah, that Santa was keeping a social credit score of my yeah. behavior. It was a different time. Like it was a time where you would have like little tabletop decorations of people spanking naughty little children. Like the, the sense of humor <laughs> was just different then. Like, I don't, I don't know if we're improved much now, but I think regardless of your stance on how you, you discipline your children, like please take it more seriously than making whimsical decorations and songs out of it. Uh, it is more serious. Uh, this act of training your children in the way they should go. Like, I don't think we should have those cute little decorations about it. That's just the wrong kind of kitsch. It, it rubs me all the wrong way. And I don't think it's just a personal objection. Like, I think it is objectively like, it's just, there's kind of an ick to it. And I, I mean, I, I'm not going to turn off Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, unless it's the Michael Jackson version, then I am jabbing that radio knob so hard. I might leave a mark on myself. Uh, if not the radio, I, I don't, I don't like it. No, I mean, no, no objection to Michael Jackson. It's just a really, uh, grossly exuberant version of the song. And I don't know if I like the alternate tune, but yeah, I don't like that. I don't like legalistic Santa. Um, I think it was actually, yeah, we talked about that in our episode 44. Uh, it's Christian leaders like John Piper who, associate Santa Claus so much with this song and that, you know, good no, or naughty nice list mythos that they can't separate the legendary Santa as a symbol of grace from mm -hmm. this uh, legalistic yeah. mechanism that has been used uh, to terrify children. Or even if the parents don't know any better, the children will pick this up and make themselves feel terrified because children are really, really effective at doing that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not fond of the meaning of the song, even if I don't hate the song itself. Yeah, uh, lots of people though hate the song with a hot, hot hatred. Last Christmas, uh, several heroes in the guild uh, singled this song out for particular ire, and I think they're correct. And even if the lyrics were public domain, I don't want to say the lyrics because they has the dumb. Uh, it doesn't even make sense that you could give someone your heart and then the very next day they would give it away. Uh, are we doing some kind of Ed Growlin Poe thing? Is the, the is this the Telltale Heart? Uh, is this one of those Christmas horror crossover movies where violent Santa gets an axe and starts killing everybody? <laughs> uh, I've made my opinions known about that too. Anyway, it's just one of those dumb pop synth something, something wrong with it's that It's sort song. of like a romantic like comedy, uh, angsty, I don't know, tragedy. Yeah, I just say meh so hard to that song that, I mean, I will turn it off if that comes on the radio. Um, yeah. And I don't even listen to the radio. I just, I remember turning it off before. When it came on the radio, along with the "Do They Know It's Christmas at All," or is that the same song? Yeah, which one is it? That's mm. like the really, the really um, social justice song that aims to guilt you. Uh, at, like well, the starving children in uh, the other continent don't celebrate Christmas, so why should you? Uh, Repent, oh, sinner. Wow. Uh, that's the general impression I get from that song, and uh, uh, for that reason, I object to it. Yeah, uh, I, m I mentioned earlier a lot of people don't like Little Drummer Boy. I'm okay with that. Naomi hates the song grandma got run over by a reindeer. Oh, that song I, is despicable. I, I think I, I, I don't remember this very well, but I, I don't remember enjoying it, but interestingly sheriff in the guild loves that song. She says it's her guilty pleasure. <laughs> so there you go. One, one man's or one woman's uh, trash is another woman's another treasure. Man's, I guess it's another man's guilty pleasure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I put a picture in the guild that we're trying to do more behind the scenes about the podcast. You have a picture of the Andy Williams Christmas album. Now yeah. no shade on Andy Williams. As I said at the top of the show, uh, but I did mention that song at the top of the show. I think it's just called It's the Holiday Season. And it does include the words whoop-de-doo and the words hickory-dock. Or is it dickory-dock? I can't tell. It, it's just, what does that have to do with anything? 
But the silliest part is where it's, uh, it's just just exactly at 12 o'clock. I think I can say that. Uh, and then just the, uh, uh, the pinnacle uh, of uh, Christmas honoring writing uh, is that uh, Santa's a great big bundle of joy. Uh, it's just a random observation thrown in there about the nature of a good old St. Nicholas. It's just a helpful reminder right in the middle of the song, wildly disconnected from the phrases at either side. Uh, it's just the best writing I've ever heard of, but the song is everywhere, probably because he sings it with gusto and, you know, it seems to be a happy, jolly soul. Uh, I think the late Andy Williams there. But anyway, I posted that album in our thread here in the Guild and Nick of the Wastes replied, this picture activates my fight or flight response. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah, I think there's some songs that do activate that response. And uh, most likely I will choose flight because other people like the songs. And, you know, if you're yelling at us right now on the, on, on the podcast, then uh, you are, you, your, your fight response is activated against us. Like I, I don't want to fight. It's a season of peace and joy and giving and goodwill toward men. Uh, but the songs are dumb and I don't like them. Okay. Now I, I must ask you about, I know, I know we're a little late getting into this controversy, but what about the song baby? It's cold outside. Oh dear. Like, like or dislike. Oh dear. Um, dislike, <laughs> dislike for the era, dislike for the era, because on interpretation, if, if I were hearing like the first version of that song, it is a little risque. It is a little risque back then when you took these things very seriously. Men and women needed to show propriety and not joke about things like that. Mm-hmm. I think the best interpretation of that song comes from um, uh, author Mark Stein, uh, who's a very, very culturally conservative guy. Like he's guest hosted talk radio and everything, but he's also just a, a song and dance man. He loves uh, music and he writes about music and popular culture a lot, particularly old broadway and show tunes and things like that so he has some great observations about that song i may need to review that and i think it was him and some others who've said hey you know the interpretation of that song is that people are joking like it's a joke that these two people who are in some kind of a dating relationship and and they feel the freedom and the security to joke about things like that but if you were to make a story adaptation of that song then he's 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 going to leave you know he's not actually going to do anything to her they're just joking about that from a position of security now i think a lot of people who complain about that song they don't have that security and you can argue about why or you can argue about whether they're being oversensitive but i get it i don't hate the song but i get people getting more emotional about it because like don't even joke about things like that uh don't even joke about wondering what's in the drink. Like that's, that's horrible. I I get where people are coming from there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting when all of the forces of our mainstream media and, and website blogs and whatever all conspired to hate on this song and tell all of us why it's horrible and evil. It just kind of made me go, "Mm, okay, so what exactly is the, I mean, I've always kind of felt it's a weird song, but yeah, it's important to know why they wrote it and who is actually the character in the song that that or who are the characters and what is their story there are a lot of opinions about about this and you know who has the right to cancel it or what it really is about i think it's weird in um it was in the movie elf like where they kind of sing a duet about it <laughs> elf but, is now canceled yes wasn't it in the moment where she's in the shower and he's in the waiting room or something i don't know I've only so, seen Elf once. I know. Okay. I know. I go on the naughty list now. I think we saw it like two years ago just because nobody <laughs> else would shut up about it. And it's even on my liquid coffee creamer yeah. jar. It's just everywhere. New holiday yeah. standard. 
So, but yeah, part of me, I just had a knee jerk reaction of, okay, when everyone is like telling you to, you know, when it's sort of the, uh, the mob mentality of like, oh, it's time to cancel this thing. It's like, well, okay, I, I may be not going to jump on that bandwagon, but I'll, I'll make my own decision about it. But then it was actually rewritten, apparently. Uh, so this was in uh, 2019. The controversial 1944 song has been officially rewritten. Uh, it's been uh, given the John Legend treatment. Oh, I think I remember hearing about this, but I did yes. not actually hear this because it's it's not a favorite song. I'm not going to make it my favorite just because the bad people hate it. I'm just completely indifferent to it. It's It has no special meaning for me. It may have some special meaning for others. Now, I'm quoting from a newspaper article, which uh, we, we can link to, so I think it's okay. It says, uh, the award-winning singer revealed that some of the verses include lyrics. What will my friends think? I think they should rejoice. If I have one more drink, it's your body and your choice. Oh, come on now. Now that's just <laughs> preachy. I don't disagree with the message, like with Christian movies. Like, I don't mind if you end with an altar call. I don't disagree with it, but, oh, blimey. Yeah, that, that's just that's overdoing it back the other way. Right, exactly. So now it's just, it's becoming a propaganda tool, basically. Just a bit. Yeah. I should have mentioned, uh, I wonder, does this go on the nice list or the naughty list? Uh, there is a version, I should have mentioned this earlier, but there's a version of Little Drummer Boy performed to heavy metal by Saruman the White. I am mm. not making this Little Drummer Boy version up. It's Christopher Lee saying, come, they told me, and this heavy metal thrashing in the background. I'm not sure it's the uh, most musically sound, but it certainly is, uh, certainly is a novelty. Uh, go find that. It's out there somewhere on the YouTubes. Mm. Uh, okay. Tisha, Tisha Messing, by the way, mentioned, uh, I, th I think she was being more positive here, so I don't want to revert to chapter two, but she mentioned, I grew up with lots of novelty Christmas albums, truly weird ones. Elvis, Boney M, she says, we briefly lived in Hong Kong and my mom got it there. And Alvin and the Chipmunks. Ah, want yeah. to hear the, she says, if you want to hear the rest of my family cry out in pain. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of that. There's this there's this 60s kitsch that accompanies uh, novelty albums like that uh, that I personally find distasteful uh, that others probably do. Uh, but if you probably do, uh, then you probably have Christmas lights uh, shaped like the lamp light of, from a Christmas story on your Christmas tree, uh, possibly also festooned by, you know, little red pickup trucks with the Christmas mm -hmm. tree poking out the back and possibly even Mater from cars. That's just the kind of kitsch that I doesn't agree with me personally uh even though apparently i found out last night as a zach at our lorehaven christmas party um i am the type of person who will wear a necklace of lit up christmas lights i didn't know that i'd be that kitschy so i just it's not a matter of being kitschy or not but just having a particular flavor of kitsch i'll add two more items here to my list one is so these are more like mixed bag okay okay Deck the halls mainly because just the fa la 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 just gets repetitive. Oh, I like, I, I like deck the halls though. It's, uh, a, it's a classic. Yeah. Plus, yeah, I mean, it's I, it's all progressive because you're donning a certain kind of apparel. Oh gosh, uh, uh, this no. song was ahead of its time. <laughs> it's on the right side of history. Uh, moving on, uh, the other song that's kind of in my mixed bag here is believe it or not, Silent Night. Now, uh, I love the song. Heresy. I love the lyrics. Oh. I love. The candlelight service that we, you know, churches everywhere do this is the last song we light the candles. However, having little kids, this song is very stressful. Oh, for okay. Me when so we get you to got the an association. Part. Oh, yes. of course, because they are going to drip hot wax all oh, over man. their little uh, tender hands. 
Yes. And with our, our youngest daughter, who's just a very highly sensitive kid and uh, just very nervous about this part. And then my, uh, my younger son, you know, th- this, this gets very, uh, this gets very hairy as in, I really hope no one's <laughs> hair lights on fire while we do this. So how do you feel about, we haven't mentioned away in the manger, but I like away in the manger. I would put that yeah, in my the top Christmas like songs. But isn't the second verse kind of Gnostic? Because a lot of people have gotten grumpy mm. about uh, the cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Oh, and everybody points okay. and laughs and says, see, see, like this is the problem with these saccharine mm. uh, evangelical versions of the nativity narrative. You've got this perfect birth. It's completely bloodless. Uh, you know, there's no labor pains. Uh, certain uh, types of uh, Christian or Christianist traditions would actually have the infant Christ child beamed out of Mary uh, by means of some spiritual conveyance. And it kind of removes the whole God in flesh aspect and all that that implies because it causes some people some discomfort. Um, I don't necessarily see that in the song lyric, but I can understand how it can come across that way to people. Like, Yes, the infant Christ child did cry whether or not it was uh, provoked by the lowing cattle. Uh, yes, there was certainly labor pains. Uh, it, was, uh, it was certainly a messy delivery in the stable and all that stuff that I think we do need to be reminded of. But I think if people get too cranky about that, uh, then you miss the true meaning of Christmas and you need to go on a smarmy journey. Yeah. The other part of the song I always thought was weird was I love you, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky and stay by my side or by my cradle until morning is oh, nigh. Oh, no. If you're a real man, you and, sing cradle and you mean it from uh, your heart. But but see, what's, what's so weird cradle. about that is like you're asking for baby Jesus to look down. I mean, that brings up the Talladega Nights uh, where, where Ricky Bobby prays to baby Jesus. <laughs> so I don't know. It... it I think I think it's a sincere expression of worship. It's knowing that Jesus is no longer the little baby who won't cry in the manger. Mm. I, I think there's a translation thing there. Like maybe the original, or was it translated? I don't remember. The song has often been uh, incorrectly referred to as Luther's Cradle Hymn. I think mainly because it was written, if I recall, by a Lutheran. But Martin Luther himself uh, didn't write it. So uh, I, I don't remember whether there's a language barrier or not. But with songs like Silent Night, like it was originally written, I think, in, I think it was written in Switzerland or something, but it was written in German. And so you have to basically rewrite the song in order to get it to rhyme. But I don't remember if Away in the Wanger was written in English. It just, it's, it's a simple little song. Uh, there's not a lot of theological depth in there. Uh, I, I don't like the, you know, t- take us to heaven to live with thee there. You know, it's, it's very soft soap. Uh, but it's not anti-Christian. Uh, it's just kind of sentimental, and yet I, there's, a, there's a soft place in my heart for it. Well, on that note, uh, if we didn't make you too sleepy with a Christmas lullaby, what are your favorite Christmas songs? What are the worst Christmas songs you've ever heard? Uh, and when should you start and or stop listening to Christmas music? We've gotten a lot of feedback from our Guild Heroes before this episode, but you may still have some feedback that will read in a future version of the comm station that's email podcast at lorehaven.com or you can subscribe free at lorehaven.com get your exclusive invitation to the guild jump in share your thoughts in the uh, new recording studios uh, room that we have in the guild castle we're going to do some more behind the scenes stuff leading up to and then after uh, each of the podcast episodes you can also of course uh, find us on the social media 
Uh, hey, Zach, speaking of the comm station, uh, we have a lot of feedback now after uh, the big news that we've had about a couple of uh, Christian or Christian-associated fantasy series, uh, one that's been announced uh, and one that just debuted last week from Angel Studios. That, that was the Wingfeather Saga series based on the best-selling uh, fantasy by Andrew Peterson. I've not seen it yet. I still need to read the book. I admit it. We had a book quest and everything uh, for On the Edge of the Dark Sea of Darkness that we've just wrapped up, uh, coinciding with the start of the show. Uh, but we also posted a news post uh, on November 18, 2022, which is after a Daily Wire Plus uh, announced a new streaming series based on Stephen R. Lawhead's Pendragon Cycle. That's an Arthurian retelling that involves Atlantis and fantasy and history, and I've not read it. But a lot of our fans have read it, and yeah. they shared their thoughts about this news. Yeah, so Carrie Green commented and said, quote, I'm halfway through the cycle now, and I've loved it. And we also got a note from Lisa, who said, it took me 10 minutes to read this short article because I am beyond excited. Please be quality. Please, my favorite author and my favorite series tied with his song of Albion. When I first read these books 30 years ago, it made me want to be a better Christian. So, so good. Oh, that's a great motivation from reading a fantasy yeah. series. Made me want to be a better Christian. In other words, that's made great. me want to be more like Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Chris had this to say, please, please, please do this series justice. It could be a cultural phenomenon if done right. And finally, we got a note from Ink Slinger Journal. who says, I read the first three books when they were released, and it was one of the best stories, and they remain with me all these years later. What's fascinating about that announcement is that the uh, Daily Wire CEO, Jeremy Boring, and by the way, you know, disclaimer, uh, this company is associated with cultural conservatism and lots of political activism, but they've lately been saying, hey, guys, uh, all of our uh, cultural uh, opponents own the culture, so we need to make some culture. And we've actually had uh, Frank Fleming, who's now with uh, Daily Wire, helping out with uh, putting together some kids series on there. We've had him on the podcast. Uh, talking about uh, what they're up to there. As much as he could say, uh, they have yet to announce more stuff. But in that announcement, uh, Boring, yes, that's his name, uh, said that they were going to release this streaming series next year. And all they showed was a, a, a an art, uh, artwork, uh, kind of a poster type thing, or a banner, really, uh, saying the Pendragon Cycle by Stephen R. Lawhead. Uh, I've not heard anything about this series. I don't know if it's uh, being kept uh, under tight wraps or if someone else has made it and then they sold the rights to Daily Wire Plus. Uh, if it's coming out that soon, uh, then you think we would have heard something. So uh, it's interesting that most of the attention uh, in that announcement went to a much more politically charged series uh, that they said or a movie that they were doing based on Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, which I've not read and I'm frankly just not that interested in. Uh, not just because I don't think it's fantasy, but it just seems like a more agenda-driven story. And you know how we feel about those here. But I'm very interested in this uh, Pendragon cycle. And I actually got the first book in audio version, so I can try to catch up to this. But I'd be very curious how they're going to come out with a whole streaming series that quickly. But they said, very determinedly, 2023. So we will uh, keep you all updated and post any more news uh, at lorehaven.com. Uh, don't miss at Lorehaven, by the way, let's go to our mission log real quick as we wrap to a close here, wrap to a close. Uh, don't miss Marion Jacobs's popular article at the site. It was titled, even if we like fantasy and sci-fi, we can still practice accidental legalism. Hey, she had some really wise thoughts to share there. We'll have that link and all these others in our show notes. Uh, next up, uh, this week, uh, hopefully this Thursday after the episode debuts here, 
Uh, Josiah DeGraff has that article we've been working on. He will explore how to discern morality in Christian fiction without expecting every story to act like a sermon, because, of course, sermons and stories have very different goals, or they ought to. Uh, we've got new reviews every Friday at lorehaven.com. Uh, we've reviewed Aberration by Kathy McCrum, a science fiction novel. Um, we also just reviewed uh, Calore. It's a new novel coming out from the same publisher, Enclave. That was our top sponsor for this show. I believe that release date is actually today, uh, the release date of this episode. So you can find more information there at Lorehaven. And then this week in the Lorehaven Guild, we are starting our new book quest, Dream of Kings. That's the Sharon Hink standalone fantasy. We reviewed that at Lorehaven, and that's our 12th monthly book quest in the Guild. Uh, there's lots of exploration in the Guild about Christian-made fantasy and other fandoms, and we're doing some renovations there to encourage even more discussion. More than 215 heroes now in the Guild, and you can join them. You can be the next hero by subscribing free at lorehaven.com. Choose your site updates, plus get that exclusive invitation to be a Guild hero. We're opening more of those rooms, at least in a beta stage, uh, for the month of December before uh, we do a more soft soft relaunch, I guess you could call it, uh, coming up for the new year of 2023. Next on Fantastical Truth. Some months ago, there was a certain other Lord of the Rings-ish TV show, which we've not talked much about because we want to be friendly to everybody, but it prompted some fans to say, well, this show's going to be terrible, and now we're really going to appreciate the Hobbit films as bad as they were. But after that certain other show, I didn't see a whole lot of appreciation for the Hobbit films. Uh, mostly the fans just wanted to criticize that other show. Uh, for my part, though, I never stopped appreciating the Hobbit films, even though they have a lot of flaws. Uh, that's why I feel alone in a company of dwarves who really seem to hate the Hobbit films. But that first movie in that new trilogy, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, actually released 10 years ago this month. And next week, an old friend of mine, my old friend, returns to explore the Hobbit film trilogy. That's our next episode on Fantastical Truth. Meanwhile, whatever you start and stop your Christmas music, whatever songs you love, whatever songs you hate that we loved, whatever songs <laughs> you love that we hate, it's all in good fun. Christmas is an extra biblical tradition, but wow, what an amazing tradition that people have put together with the sacred songs and the secular songs alike and some sacred songs with some secular moments and vice versa. All of it, I think, in the hands of a mature celebrating believer can give glory to God. Let's be more like Jesus as we enjoy this music together, but be mindful of the different tastes of your neighbors as we continue to seek and find his fantastical truth. 